Merry Christmas and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast Channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you'd like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. This podcast is made possible due to the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, starts a brand new series entitled Original Christmas. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Faith Church. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it is our privilege to have you here as we step into the month of December, head into the Christmas season, starting a brand new series entitled Original Christmas. And I just want to tell you this, man. I know you've heard it in the host and the announcement video, but again, as we step into our Christmas uh, experiences coming up, it, uh, the, the weekend of Christmas, again, we have two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Our goal is not just to crowd this building. Our goal is to use what God's going to do that weekend to crowd heaven. And so I cannot encourage you enough, man, to think about, pray about, be intentional on inviting somebody. We're going to have invite cards on the way out. Ushers are going to hand you packs of four. Grab those. Invite some coworkers, some neighbors, some, some friends. But get some people here. Invite them to be your guests. Pray for them. And let's believe big together that this is going to be the greatest Christmas season ever because there's going to be some people's names written in heaven. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So make that happen. Get somebody here. Well, listen, we're starting a brand new series. I'm going to jump right in with something I posted on Facebook last night. And it was this question right here, good news or bad news? And the question was this, what do you like to get better? Do you like the good news first or the bad news first? And so I put it out there, and I wasn't really shocked by the results. People gave a lot of feedback and a lot of encouragement. Good news and bad news, it's something that all of us deal with. Sometimes we go to the doctor, and the doctor gives us good news or bad news. We deal with, if you are a, a CEO or a boss or you know, you're over a group of people in work. Sometimes you have to sit down with them during annual reviews or in a time to correct behavior. And you have to, they'll tell you, you want to give them some, some good news first and then give them the bad news. And so there's different ways to deal with different people in different situations. But, you know, for example, there was a doctor who called a patient of his and he said, listen, I got good news and bad news. What do you want first? And the patient said, give me the good news. He said, well, the good news is you have seven days left to live. He said, seven days left to live. Are you kidding me? If that's the good news, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is I meant to call you last week. <laughs> or we can go with the good news, bad news, good news, uh, or bad news, good news, bad news scenario, right? There was a church that wanted to plant a campus in Lawrenceburg. And uh, the bad news is it was going to cost several hundred thousand dollars to do it. But the good news is the church had the money. The bad news is it was still in your pockets. So, <laughs> but good news or bad news, here's what we found out is almost everybody, almost everybody responded and said this, that if I'm going to have good news and bad news, I want the bad news first. Like, give me the bad news. Let me deal with the bad news. I want to end on a good note. I want to end on a high note. I, like, let's get the good news out of the way. Give me, give me the bad news first. And uh, what I've seen on Facebook, 
um, coincided exactly like a study that was done several years ago that was published in 2013 in National Geographic. That some people did some studies and they asked the question, again, if you're going to get news, bad news and good news, what do you want first? And they found that over 75% of people said this, I want the bad news first. I want to end on a high note. Give me some good news that will overshadow the bad news. But here's also what they found I thought was interesting. That again, people receiving the news wanted the bad news first. But they found this, that if you were the one giving bad news or good news, if you're the one that had to do it, which would you prefer to do? And what they found was this, that if you, wanted to, if you were receiving it, you wanted bad news first. But if you had to give it, you want to give good news first. Like, I'm going to give you good news, and we're, we're going to try to soften the blow of the bad news coming. And through all these studies, here's really what they found is what it all comes down to is people don't like to deal with bad news. Like, if I'm getting it, like, let's get the bad news out of the way. Let's pull the Band-Aid off, but let's get to the good news because people don't like bad news. Or, again, if you're the person giving it, it's like we want to delay it. We don't want to get to the bad news. We want to talk about good news as long as we can. Because, again, the reality is nobody likes bad news. Nobody likes to deal with bad news. Nobody likes to get bad news. Nobody likes to give bad news. But bad news, unfortunately, is a part of life. But as we step into this series, here's what I want to give you right out of the gate, is this reality is the Christmas story is good news. Come on, everybody, shout good news. Now, I got to tell you, notice I didn't say Christmas is good news. Because, now, I'm just going to tell you, for some of us, Christmas is good news because you get to spend time with family you get to eat family's food, and you get to buy Christmas presents, and that's good news. But for some of us, you have to spend time with family, and you have to eat family food, and you got to buy presents, and that's bad news. All of us in this room, we process the Christmas season in a different way. Some of us here, we've lost loved ones. It's been a difficult year, and so the thought of coming into Christmas, having to buy presents, the finances are tight, maybe not being able to afford things, spending time with family in conflict, for a lot of us, Christmas is a very difficult time of the year. Honestly, for me, it's, I love it. Our family, for the most part, is good. We got crazy people in our family, too, just so we're clear. And everybody's got some crazy in their family. Y'all need to amen right there. Everybody's got some crazy in their family. If you don't think so, you're the crazy in the family. Like, nobody's crazy in my family. You're it. Uh, everybody's got some crazy in their family. But Here's the reality. So again, I'm not saying Christmas is good news because again, it just depends on your experience and how you deal with it. But what I want you to know today is, is the Christmas story really is good news. In fact, as we step into it, we're going to look in the gospel of Luke. And what you find is right after Jesus is born, an angel shows up and says this, check this out. Luke chapter two, it says that night, the night that Jesus was born as a baby, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. It says, suddenly, everybody say that, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Yeah, I bet they were. Like, if you're out working the midnight shift and an angel shows up and blinds you, that might freak you out a little bit. It goes on, it says this, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. Come on, read it. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I mean, think about this. The angel shows up and says, hey, what I want you to know is that there was a baby born just over the hill, and it really is good news. In fact, it's such good news that it's going to bring great joy to everybody. Now, I think if we're honest today, we can just say this, that it, sometimes it doesn't feel like the Christmas story is good news. It feels like just the same old news, or it feels like you know, familiar news, but it doesn't really make a difference. I mean, is the Christmas story, is it really good news? 
If you're new to church or new to spiritual things, you have to ask the question, really, what difference does it make a baby being born? Who cares? So the good news that this angel announces, if we're honest, we maybe like Christmas. If you're a church person or a Christian person, maybe it has some special significance. But I mean, if we're honest, come on, really great joy to all people. It doesn't feel that way. Doesn't, it doesn't seem like it has the impact that the angel said it should have. So what's, what's the deal? What gives? Is it really great news or not? And I think it's sometimes it's easy for us to miss good news if we don't understand that there's a backdrop of bad news. Because good news without bad news is sometimes just neutral news. It's just news. But when you understand that there's a backdrop of bad news and the response is there's some good news, all of a sudden it becomes great news. And so what I want you to know today is the Christmas story isn't just good news, it's great news. But watch this. The good news is in response to bad news. There's bad news we've got to talk about today. I know people want to come to church, study show. People want to come to church and feel good, and they want to leave feeling better. Before I can make you feel great, I need, you to, make, I need to make you feel kind of bad. I know, it's, I, but I get paid a lot of money to do it. So. <laughs> so there's good news here. There's good news, but the reality is there's a backdrop of bad news. Here's, here's the bad news. The angel goes on and says this. Come on, read it. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You say, Pastor Steve, wait a minute. I thought you said there's bad news here. There is bad news. See, you missed it. It's right here. There was a Savior born. You say, well, I thought that's good news. Well, the good news is the Savior was born. The bad news is the Savior was born because you need a Savior. Now, see, if your life is all put together and never anything goes wrong in your life and your family's got it all together and your relationship with your spouse is all together and your kids don't ever go off the reservation and your heart is right and you never fall short and you never make mistakes and you never sin, then it's not good news for a Savior coming for you because you don't need a Savior. But for the rest of us that sometimes struggle, sometimes fight, sometimes deal with rebellion, forgot that we got a broken heart, we deal with issues, we struggle, we sin, we fall short. For all the rest of us who are human and imperfect, I'm telling you it's bad news that we need a savior but it's great news that a savior came and that's what christmas is about so it's bad news that we need a savior the good news is the savior came this a uh, few weeks ago i was on the phone and i had to make a phone call i was working in the office and uh, probably like many of you who maybe work in offices on our phone system you don't just pick up and dial the phone in order to get an outside line you have to push nine and then you dial your phone number and so I was actually calling a 1-800 number for a customer service issue, which means I was calling to complain in the name of Jesus. And uh, so I picked up the phone, and, you know, so you got to dial 9, and then I was dialing 1-800 number to dial the customer service. So I picked up the phone, and I dialed in such a hurry. I dialed 9118, and I was like, oh, wait, I dialed too many ones. So I just hung the phone up, and I picked it up, and I redialed, and I hit 9-1-800, and I called I made my phone call. I was on for a few minutes, and I hung the phone up, and I had to go out of my office, and I went to the other part of the office, and my assistant sees me, and she's like, hey, we just got a phone call from the police. Is someone here called 911? Was that you? And I'm like, I didn't call 911. What moron would call 911? <laughs> and so Donna, my assistant, she assures me it came from inside the building, and you may not know this, but our building is locked down during the week, so not just anybody can come in for safety reasons. And we have about 22 staff that work here. So I thought, it wasn't me. What moron called the police? So I go upstairs. I'm asking the staff, did you call 911? Did you call 911? I figured it's Pastor Ryan called 911. I, <laughs> I was saving him for last. 
And nobody called 911. And so here was the worst part. The police had to come and do a safety check. If you call 911 and you don't mean to call 911, the police have to come do a safety check that they can report and all clear that there's nothing wrong. So I'm sitting in my office and I'm thinking, man, who called 911? Well, I, there's a call log on all of our phones and I'm flipping through it and I see 911. Now, like you, I didn't say a word. I was like, nobody knows but me and Jesus. So I just went back to work. Well, I, you can hear phone calls out in the outer office from my office, and I hear my assistant talking to Grant Wilkes, who's a trustee here, and he helps with our phone system. And I hear her say this, oh, so you found out who called? Oh, Pastor Steve called 911. <laughs> so I hurried and went out and confessed it before she announced it, so I looked at least a little bit humble. It was me. I, I did it. But I share that story for this reason, because there was really nothing wrong Nothing happened here. There was no emergency, but the police had to still come give a safety check. They still had to come and lay eyes on the environment to make sure nothing was wrong. It was an unnecessary trip for them to come, but they came anyways. What I want you to know is that Jesus came, but not to do a safety check. He came because he knew something was wrong in the world. He knew people were messed up. He knew we were broken. He knew we were hurting. He knew there was something wrong. And so he came with the, with the sirens blaring, with the lights rolling. He came with the shotgun unlocked to do battle with the devil, to overcome sin, to give us victory, joy, and salvation, a Savior came. I got a message from a friend of mine. Actually, he's a family member who's involved in politics. And from time to time, people will ask my opinion. Not that my opinion means anything more, but people ask. And so he wanted to know what my opinion was on Roy Moore. And I'll not give you my political opinion on this platform, but he was asking basically, like, should we vote for this guy? Should we not vote for this guy? What do you think of this guy in light of the scandal that's being announced? And I'm just real clear. There's a scandal in every heart in this room. If everybody knew what there was to know about you, they wouldn't vote for you either. If you knew what there was to know about me, you wouldn't want me as your pastor. I'm not talking about what I did 20 years ago. I'm talking about what I thought last week, what I did a month ago, what I said a week ago. Because the reality is all of us in this room, we don't have to look at the newspaper to find out humanity's broken. All you got to do is be honest enough to look in the mirror. Because we think things and do, th do things and say things and feel things that we know show us really we're not as good as we say we are. See, it's weird. It's really kind of crazy how if I'm to ask you, hey, are you a good person? If you ask me, I would, I would want to say I'm a good person. But we fool ourselves. I may be better than some, and there are some who are better than me. But in reality, think about the hatred we carry, the hurt we carry, the bitterness we carry, the struggle we carry, the sin that you wrestle with, the temptation I deal with. It's in all of us. We've all been impacted and affected. So it's great news that a Savior came. But I just want you to know today that you'll never think the news is great. You'll never celebrate not just a Christmas season, but you'll never celebrate a calendar season that a Savior came for you unless we are willing to admit together, I needed the Savior to come. And so it might feel like bad news, but it's just honesty. But it, all of a sudden, that bad news of we needed a Savior, the good news that a Savior came is really great news. So the story goes on. The angel says again, the Savior's come. And as he announces, watch this. It says, and you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll recognize the baby Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. 
you'll find a baby wrapped, uh, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. I mean, all of a sudden, there's a choir that shows up. And the armies of heaven praising God and saying, come on, read it with me. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, see, you missed it again. There's bad news there. See, doesn't it feel warm and fuzzy? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. Like, that's great news. But see, if you don't know what the angels are singing here, you'll miss it. This is bad news. It's wrapped in bad news. It's in the backdrop of bad news. Because the peace that is being talked about here, like we want peace and we talk about peace. And when we say peace, we, we mean like to feel good inside, to not worry about anything, that everything's okay, that we don't lay awake at night, we don't have anxiety, we don't struggle with worry or doubt. That's not what this is talking about. In fact, when it talks about peace, the peace we need is not to repair broken feelings, but to repair a broken relationship. See, when the angels came and were singing, hey, now because a Savior came, that's good news, to fix the bad news that you and I needed a Savior to come, all of a sudden, now there's peace on earth, but there wasn't peace here before. It doesn't mean there's, there's war and conflict, though there is. It doesn't mean that we don't get along with family members, though at times we don't. It doesn't mean we don't have internal struggles, though we do. What this is talking about is Jesus didn't come ultimately to fix us on the inside to make us feel good. Jesus came to fix what was really broken, and that was our relationship with God. See, the opposite of peace or tranquility, the way we think about it, is not having mixed feelings or crazy emotions on the inside. What this is talking about when the Bible says and the angels sang and the choir showed up when Jesus was born that peace on earth is here is because, again, our relationship with God was broken. In fact, you go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, when God made everything. And you know the story, right? God looks at this blank canvas and think about this. With one word, created everything. Think about the God you serve in the context of the struggles you have. Are they too big for him? With one word, he says it, let there be light. And man, suns and stars and quasars leap into creation. The laws of the universe all of a sudden begin to function. Everything spins in its order. God makes it all perfect. I'm telling you, if God can make all of this with a word, what can God not do for you? And he sets everything in motion and everything's perfect. And ultimately, the climax of his creation is a man in perfect harmony with his creator. Like that's why God made it all. God made you to be in relationship with him. And so there's Adam, and he makes Eve, and everything's great. And you flip through the first couple pages of Scripture, and it goes from good to bad. It goes from great to not so great. Because in the middle of a perfect paradise, in the middle of a relationship that's perfect between creation and creator, the Bible tells us and paints this picture that a deceiver shows up, that Satan shows up and disrupts the garden, who lies to Eve and lies to Adam, and they choose to disobey God. Even though God gave parameters, they choose to disobey God. And God shows up, and he looks at Adam. He's like, Adam, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Why would you disobey me? Like, things were right. Why would you choose to do it your own way? And he looks at the woman like I do and says, it's her fault. <laughs> so he goes to the woman and says, what's going on? Why would you do this? Why did you disobey me? And she points 
to the serpent and says, Satan, he tempted me, tricked me, deceived me. And so in reverse order of God speaking to Adam, to Eve, to the serpent, God brings judgment for disobedience on the serpent, on Eve, and on Adam. And ultimately, when he gets to the serpent, he says this, Genesis 3.15, this is God speaking. He says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between Satan and not just woman Eve, but ultimately mankind. It says, between your offspring and her offspring. Watch this. He says this. I want you all to read this with me. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. You're saying, what's that talking about? Well, what this is, this is known by theologians as the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel. The first gospel. Remember when the angel came and the angel said, I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. The good news, the word that's used there is gospel. It's good news. The gospel is good news and good news is the gospel. And what he's saying is this, is God's saying right here, I want you to know that things look bad right now, but I've got a plan right here in the moment to fix what's already broken. That in a, mo- in a time that Eve is eventually going to give birth, to give birth, to give birth, to give birth, that through generations, the Messiah, the Savior is going to be born. And Satan, while you might bruise his heel because you're gonna, he's going to die on the cross, he's ultimately going to crush your head. He didn't come for a safety check. He overcame our sin, our struggles, and Satan himself on the cross. And this was the first announcement all the way back in the beginning that God had a plan to rescue us. I love it. There's good news and there's bad news. See, there's things that were said here that were never heard before, never understood before, never a part of creation before. One of the things that God has to tell him in this is this, is that God declares a curse on mankind because of sin. God is just, God is holy, God can't deal with it in his presence. And that's bad news. And again, if you're good, then you don't need a savior. If you got it all together, you don't need a Messiah. If you're whole, then you don't need to be restored. If your relationship with God is right, then you don't need it rescued. But for me, I'm honest enough to admit that I struggle. I fall short. I miss the mark. I mess up. I blow it. Use whatever term fits your theology or your frame of reference. But I'm a sinner. And that's just the reality. So God, he announces a curse on mankind because of their sin. But the great news here, right in the beginning, the first gospel, the original unfolding of God's rescue plan is God makes provision for mankind of a savior. Right here in the beginning, he's saying, you can't save yourself, but he, the Messiah, when he comes, right? You might strike his head, or he's going to strike your head, but you're going to strike his heel. He's going to overcome you on the cross of Calvary. See, I think about this, and I think all the way back, think about this. Who knows how long ago it was? A thousand years, or uh, 6,000 years ago, some people say, 10,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago. It's not important. What's important to know is this is all the way, think about this, all the way in the beginning, God already had a plan before man blew it to restore and rescue man so they could be saved. Now make it plain for me today. So here I am today. God knew what my struggles would be. He knew where I would blow it. He knew where I would fall short. And in spite of all of my sin, he still had a plan before I was even born, knowing I would be a mess up, that he had a plan to rescue me. And he made that announcement, the proto-evangelium, the first gospel. He declared it in the garden. He executed it 2,000 years ago in his son, Jesus so I could have peace and reconnect with my Savior today. Isn't that amazing? 
So listen, listen, let's make it about you. That means there's nothing that you can do that God didn't already know you would do, but made a plan to rescue you anyway. So when you come in and you let your head hang in shame, like, well, I don't know, God, he, he don't love me anymore. Like I've blown it too big. I don't know if I can go to church anymore. Can I pray? Because if I pray, will God hear me? I want you to know something. Because of the good news of a Savior coming, if you'll admit the bad news that you needed a Savior, the reality is God's not mad at you anymore. Let me say that. God's not mad at you anymore. God's not mad at you. I know you messed up, but he made a way through his son, Jesus. He made a way through the Savior. He made a way through what Christmas is all about. The crux of Christmas is the good news that a Savior came. And God had a plan from the beginning. Think about that. In eternity before anyone was born, God had a plan. My dad, I love him. Growing up with my dad was a lot of fun. Like we did things that today social services would be called for. <laughs> and we would be removed from the home. Not bad, but I mean, we just had a lot of fun, a lot of things we did. And one of the things my dad loved to do is go off-roading. We got any off-road people in the house. My dad, he would go so far off-road that people that went off-road would look at my dad. For, I remember people saying, you're going where? You can't go back that far. He would go to crazy places. And I don't mean in these crazy monster trucks with big wheels jacked up. I mean like normal, like just a normal Jeep, normal. And we go back. But here's the thing about my dad is he always taught us growing up to be prepared. Like always be prepared. Like he would be disappointed today if, if there are not jumper cables in the car, if there's not a screwdriver, wrenches, basic sockets, like he would be disappointed because he taught us always to be prepared. But my dad is like next level prepared because he goes off road and he goes to crazy places. My dad always carries chains and winches in his car. Because he says this, going off road, you'll say this. If you ask my dad, have you ever been stuck? He'll say this, I don't get stuck. I only get temporarily detained. Because to him, to get stuck means he can't get out. And he says, I will always get out. And so he carries all this gear. It's crazy. You drive with him and it sounds like a rattle trap going down the road because all these chains are creaking. We were out one time and we went out way, 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 way out in the woods where like if we got stuck, the tow trucks can't come to get us. And we're going down, and he decides to go around this pond, this body of water, and he's, he's driving down like there are trees everywhere. I mean, there's no trails. Like, this, this is not where cars go. And he gets down too close to this pond, and the front of the car starts to dip down in the water so much that water runs over the hood and starts running in the car. <laughs> At which point, in my mind, I start thing, saying things that are not Christian. But I want a Christian then. So anyways, <laughs> so water's coming down. I'm like, we, what? We're stuck. And my dad's like, don't worry. I got this. And he gets out of his car and he gets a winch out of his car and he hooks the front bumper of his car to a tree and he starts to winch the car out. But as he starts to winch the car because the front end's in the water, all it's doing is pulling the water, it's like pulling the front end down. More water's coming over the car and in the car. I'm like, no, we're stuck. But my dad goes and gets a second winch out of the car. I mean, who do you know carries two winches in the car? And, he's, and he hooks a second winch to the back of the car. So now there's one winch pulling the front and one winch pulling the back. And he's trying to pull it out of the water. But what it's doing is it's just almost tipping the whole car over. So he goes and he gets a third winch out of his car with a tow rope, straps it around the top of the car. And he's got three winches and finally pulls us th free because my dad doesn't get stuck. He only gets temporarily detained. 
But I tell you that story to say this. When I think about my dad, you know, my dad goes out again. He says, I never get stuck. I only get temporarily detained. My dad always has the equipment to get himself unstuck. Not unlike your Savior, Jesus. I just want you to know that my dad is always prepared for the worst. If he faces it, he can get out. I want you to know the Savior that was sent to rescue us is always prepared for the worst. While he's not planning on you getting stuck, he's prepared for when you get stuck, that he has what it takes to get you free. Like, name your struggle, name your sin, name your situation. Tell me what's going on in your marriage. Tell me what's happening with your kids. Tell me what's going on in your struggle. Tell me about your battle. Tell me about your issue. I'm just telling you there's nothing you can name that the name of Jesus isn't greater. And that Jesus came as a baby born in a manger, but he showed up to be our deliverer. He came as our rescuer. He came to repair our relationship with our Father that even though it's bad news that we're messed up, it's good news that God fixes us and makes us his children. So peace, the peace the angels sang about, this peace is not a feeling. It's a fact. It's not about how we feel. It's about who we are. If you're waiting for this magical Christmas spirit, like, oh, I feel great now. Like, isn't life wonderful? No. Like, I want to kill my kid. My wife and I were not getting along. I just got laid off from a job. I got bills due. The doctor called me, and I got not such a good report. Like, I believe God works miracles. I believe God can deal with that. But the bigger point is this. You will still have challenges and issues in this world. In fact, Jesus, he said that. Made it really clear. So the peace that Jesus came to bring is not that everything is warm and fuzzy on the inside. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. It's not how you feel. It's who we are. In fact, the gospel this idea of the good news, that's what the gospel being preached was in the first century. They called it the gospel of peace. As the name of Jesus was broadcast, as it was announced, it was known as the gospel of peace. That your relationship with God, it's broken because you're broken. You can't fix yourself, but Jesus came to fix what was broken. He came to repair the breach. He came to restore your relationship with your creator. So the gospel of peace. In fact, Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, that he brought this good news. Come on, everybody say good news. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. A Gentile is anybody who's not a Jew. This is how they divided from the Jewish mindset in the first century. This is how humanity was divided, Jew and Gentile, people who were Jews and people who weren't. And the Jews being the covenant people of God felt like they were closer than the average Joe, but they were still separated. They still had turmoil. They still had conflict with God because of sin and struggle and issue. They were looking for peace. It goes on and Paul says this, now, come on, everybody say that, now, right now, today, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. See, it's good news. It's great joy for all people. Now, all of us, There's nobody in this room that doesn't fit in this category right here. You're in all of us. You can't list something, say something, put something out there. You can't hide something. You can't disclose something that discludes you from this phrase. All of us are in all of us. And now all of us can come to the Father. We all have peace with the Father through what Jesus has done. We didn't have peace. We had conflict. Jesus came to be the Savior. This is the way Peter declared it to the Jewish people. He said, this is the message of good news 
for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So if you're not catching it yet, the purpose of peace is not to make you feel good, but to declare that you are good and can connect with a God that is eternally good. See, as we step into the Christmas season, it's almost crazy that in this time of the year, maybe we should feel better. We get, do get to spend time with family and get a little time off work maybe, time to slow down, get to enjoy some things we don't normally enjoy, but it's almost crazy that in the light of what should be a good season, it's almost like that's when the crazy chaos comes out, that we find out the issues we have in our family, the issues we have in ourselves, the struggles we have. And at the middle of the season is this message again that Jesus came. Good news, because we needed him to. Bad news. But he came to bring us peace. And again, it's not this feel-good thing, but here's the reality is that you can have daily peace because you have ultimate peace. It doesn't mean that God fixes everything in our life, but I can live this life no matter what I'm going to face today or tomorrow. I can have peace. I can have some feel good in me because ultimately what matters most is everything's okay this way. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but I'm going to spend forever there. And God made this okay. So I have ultimate peace and you can have ultimate peace because of Christ. And man, that bleeds in everything. Because if God can fix this, he can fix the marriage. If God can fix this, he can fix me and my kids. If God can fix this, he can fix me and my struggles. If God can fix this, he can give me ultimate peace. He can restore that conflict. I'm just telling you, as you step into the holidays, you just need to start inviting God in everywhere. But see, that's the only thing that makes the good news the good news is if you're humble enough to accept the bad news. See, if you're good and you're great and everything's golden, you don't need a Savior. But if you're just humble enough to admit, you know what, God, I, I got some struggles. I got some battles. I got some issues. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, which means if you're too proud to admit you need help, you don't get help. But if you're humble enough to bend the knee and say, I can't fix myself, God is big enough to show up and fix what you can. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so you think about bad news and good news where we started Think about most of the time you're in that scenario, bad news and good news. Most of the time you have bad news and maybe a doctor will say, I have bad news and good news. What do you want first? And notice most of the time the good news doesn't do anything with the bad. Okay, bad news, good news. Doc, give it to me. Bad news is. Right, bad news is you got high blood pressure. Good news is your cholesterol is great. A lot of times the good news doesn't have, do anything with the bad, but I might have great, you know, great cholesterol, but my blood pressure is still jacked up. Jesus, in the good news, bad case scenario, Jesus doesn't give us good news to glaze over the bad. No, uh-uh. As we close, you got to get this here today, that Jesus doesn't cover our bad news with good news. He overcomes our bad news with good news. See, he took all the bad. And he turned it all around. I was a sinner. I was broken. I was in conflict with the Father. I needed a Savior. A Savior came. He restored me. He forgave me. He made me a child. Now all the bad news, it's not bad anymore. It's no news. It's gone news because I'm no longer a sinner. I'm no longer in struggle. I'm no longer in conflict. I'm no longer separated. The bad news overcame, or the good news overcame the bad, and it'll do the same in your life if you'll bow on me and say, God, I need a Savior. So as we step into the Christmas season, there's a lot of good news. But it's only good news if you'll take it in context of the bad. 
If you don't want the bad, it's probably not really great news. But if you'll humble knee and say, I'm broken and I need help, God will show up in your life and in your situation and in your struggle. And Jesus will change everything. So, Father, I pray, Lord, today in Jesus' name that, God, we would just be humble enough to admit that, God, we need the Savior that came. God, there's areas in our lives that we need help. God, we need strength. We need peace. We need joy. God, we can't find in ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray let every heart be open into this season, God, to recognize that, God, this is really great news for all people. And, Lord, I pray, God, let us open our hearts, and I pray you'll come in. And, Jesus, change everything. In your name we pray.